What's up, everybody, and welcome to Crossfire Faith and Gaming. And this is our first podcast for 2021. My name is Russell Dornish. I'm one of your hosts, alongside my co-host, the Reverend David Petty. Hey, everybody. What's up? And uh, I'm excited. 2021, we're here. We made it. Everything is completely different now, uh, except for all the things that are not. So uh, we're excited to be with you for 2021, bringing you another episode of Crossfire Faith and Gaming. So uh, normally, for those of you that might be new with us, we bring you the news, we bring you some commentary on gaming and faith and how those two things relate and and just some advice for life. Um, But let's start off this week. This is, we're recording this on February 3rd, 2021. Russ, give us the news. Well, we've got a lot of news. We're going to touch on most of the main stuff that's happened in about the last week or so. since we've uh, been together and uh, the first big thing of course is the GameStop news um, so if you guys haven't been following the news or live under a rock uh, literally the best way I can sum it up is that a bunch of Redditors have gotten together and decided to buy a ton of GameStop stock which was in the toilet and raise up the price and raise up the value of GameStop to make a little bit of money and stick it to Wall Street uh, which is the best way of just putting that in a very short definition i mean we could go into a huge long conversation we've had multiple debates on this in the crossfire group and have had discussions about it david what are your thoughts on it you know coming from an outsider person somebody who plays games what what are your thoughts on what's going on so I've got multiple thoughts on it. Um, one quick tag onto the explanation um, for those people that might not be familiar with what was going on. Uh, you know, essentially the reason that they bought up all the stock um, was that some hedge fund managers. So, you know, think like rich wall street people that just, you know, make money, making money all day long. Um, you know, you can kind of think of them as like a casino owner. Um, essentially they took out a bunch of bets that they were betting that GameStop stock was going to fail. Uh, And one of the major red flags came when they essentially bet against more stock than was even available. So this would be like you going to Vegas and saying, you know, I'm going to bet, you know, on this roulette table and I'm going to bet, you know, more than the numbers that are possibly on the table. And, And somebody at some point says, hey, wait a second, you can't bet more than there is, right? You can't bet. I don't know. I I can't bet against more horses than there are at a horse race. I can't bet against more football teams than there are in a football game. I I don't know. Anyway, so a bunch of Redditors said, okay, well, let's buy up all these stocks, forcing these people out of their bets, forcing them to have to buy back their stocks. Um, And it, I mean, it completely bankrupted uh, one hedge fund. It, um, caused a lot of problems in wall street. I think if nothing else, it's going to cause a lot of people to say, maybe this practice isn't so ethical of uh, allowing people to short stock, uh, allowing people to short more stock than is actually available. Um, my take on it, I think from a couple of standpoints, from a financial standpoint, um, this is one of the reasons that I would say I never support the idea of using wall street as, um, Vegas, right? If I want to invest in a company, I'm putting my money into a company and saying, I'm going to give you this money so that you can go and do good things as a company, right? I'm not saying I'm going to put my money on this number on the roulette table and just hope that things work out the best, right? That's the difference between an investment and a bet, right? Difference between investment and gambling. So in general, I would say I don't support the idea of gambling 
on Wall Street. And that's exactly what shorts are. It's a gamble and it's a gamble against something. I mean, that's what really is kind of, it's not like I'm gambling for my team to win in the Super Bowl. It's like I'm gambling against the other team. Um, so that's, you know, what? in my book, that's just unethical. So I think in some ways it's a good thing that this got brought to light. I think it's a really, um, it's a tragic thing for GameStop, which is just kind of getting kicked back and forth. And, you know, the it's not like GameStop is actually going to make a comeback. We're not going to see suddenly like all these flourishing GameStop stores. Um, as, as my dad put it when I asked him, I said, you know, what do you think about this? And he said, well, GameStop's not a stock. It's a hockey puck at this point. Um, he said, it's really just being, it's like a pinata. Um, it's going to get hit from all sides until eventually all the candy comes out and then it's going to be a shell of a, of a company. So, um, well, one of the things that you were describing though, too, is technically day trading. Day trading is gambling. And that is the point of the day trader is they literally are buying and selling stock. They buy when the stock is low. They sell when it's high. A lot of people jumped into the GameStop stuff just for day trading and making a quick buck. Um, Mind you, that that is gambling. And yes, there there are two types of people who invest. There are day traders and then there are long term investors who are just looking for growing their capital, growing their money. Um, You know, all my investments are all long term things. I just set it. I leave it. I don't worry about it. I don't look at it on a daily basis. I highly don't recommend that you do that um, versus the day trading. And this kind of brought up the whole riskiness of day trading. The one thing you have to realize when you day trade is whatever you trade slash invest, you have to be fine with losing. Just like you have to be fine with losing when you go into a casino and put money down and play gambling games. You have to be fine with the money you lose. You're not going to win every time. Um, and I think that's a big lesson that people are going to learn throughout this. We're going to learn the differences of this. I think it's a good way to bring up conversation with people about investing. Um, I have a finance background and, you know, discussing different people's finances and, and discussing, you know, future growth and wealth and all this stuff is is really important to do sometimes. And so I think this can be used as a great opportunity to kind of start that conversation with different people. But overall, I I was fine with what happened. I think it needed to happen and hopefully something changes out of it because honestly, I agree, shorting stock is not a good thing. We shouldn't allow that as a form of investment slash we shouldn't allow investing more than is actually available on top of that. So one of those things needs to change and hopefully that'll come from what happened. Uh, the next yeah. big thing in the news, um, Gearbox, the developers behind the wonderful Borderlands series, was sold to the Endeavor Group, which if you don't know who the Endeavor Group is, well... Neither did we. <laughs> you should fasten your seatbelts because I've, I've heard a little bit about this story. Um, so they are the ones, they're this group that bought up Nordic THQ. If you guys don't remember Nordic THQ or it doesn't sound familiar, or maybe you're yelling at the, you know the car stereo or your phone or your computer, whatever you're listening. Like I know what Nordic Nordic THQ was because that was my childhood. Um, those were the, like what we called, you know, you have triple a titles. You also have B titles. We don't have B titles anymore because they went out of business. All of the publishers and stuff that were developing these B titles went out of business because games started becoming too expensive and they couldn't keep up with the demand for triple a. And That's they all got Indie by Endeavor came group. In. Well, now they've been bought by Endeavor Group once they sold off. So Nordic THQ includes games such as um, oh, what D- Destroy All Humans, the, the Alien game. Um, there's a bunch of other games. One of my personal have. favorites, Goat Simulator, is in there where you get to pretend that you're a goat. 
and just cause mayhem. Yep. Um, Dead Island, the series, they own that. Saints Row, Darksiders, Kingdoms of Amular, Time Splitters, World War Z, Wreckfest, Insurgency, all these games that haven't been out for a long time, but they bought the IP and they bought studios attached to them and all sorts of things. And they're just building up this massive amount of of companies and publishers they haven't really done anything well they just bought gearbox uh who is now going to be under there which is probably their newest biggest acquisition as far as like a company that's put out a game recently that's brand new um so i'd be interested to see what they do are you are you a borderlands fan at all david have you played any of the borderlands games i i have started to play the borderlands games a number of times um and i i just haven't gone through them you know because uh i think Part of it is, you know, the reason that I got into it was because some friends said, hey, this would be a great thing for us to co-op. And, you know, then we just never got into co-oping it. Um, I love the art style. I think it's fantastic. I think the idea of just kind of a run and gun shooter uh, is kind of neat. I think the other thing that's kept me out of Borderlands is that uh, in general, I tend to favor games that are um, long, drawn out, story driven games. Um, And Borderlands is really just a run and gun uh, you know, billions of guns, I think was in the, uh, the trailer for borderlands three. So, um, so that's kept me from really getting deeply engaged, but it is a game that I intend or games that I intend to play at some point more. Uh, and I think I've got the, the whole borderlands handsome collection. Um, so definitely on my backlog along with halo and Pokemon and everything else. <laughs> everything. <laughs> David just, has just everything, everything on his backlog. Um, well, let's move into the next thing because I want to get your take on this. So Stadia, Stadia is in the news, everybody. We have our weekly, monthly Stadia piece of news. Um, Stadia officially announced that they have closed their first party developers and they have, um, also let go, uh, Jade Raymond, who is head of of Stadia gaming, um, and the, the actual games part of it. So this is separate from the hardware. So they've closed the the companies that they had making games directly for Stadia, and they've let her go. Uh, David, what are your thoughts on this? Being a ex Stadia apologist of how what does this do to Stadia, and what do you think the future holds for it? Yeah, well, I've always said that if Stadia were to succeed, it would be because they were coming out with um, with specific um, top tier, you know, AAA games that were stadia exclusives that everybody just had to play. And so they had to pick up stadia to play them. Um, that's the reason I bought my PlayStation when I decided between PlayStation and Xbox was because of the PlayStation exclusives. Um, to me, exclusive titles sell consoles or sell platforms. Um, you know, you're, if you want to play Zelda breath of the wild, you have to get a Nintendo. If you want to play Animal Crossing, you have to get a Nintendo. You cannot play Animal Crossing on Xbox or PlayStation or PC. It sells consoles. There's a reason that Nintendo has held so well, even though they're never the best graphics. They, they're they never the highest performing. They're never the most expensive, but they just have solid IP. Um, so I I think that was one of the things that Stadia needed to happen. I'm curious the fact that this seems like it's only what, like a year and a half after we were talking about Jade Raymond going to Stadia developer studios, generally speaking, at least back when I was working in the film industry, you're looking at seven years of development time from conception of an idea 
through to development of that idea, through to actually creating it and producing it and distributing it. So I wonder if so if Sony, if I wonder if Google just ran out of cash uh, that they were willing to invest, or if they said, "Hey, we're up against this pandemic, and so this is going to put a huge strain," or if they took a look at things like CD Projekt Red and said. We don't want to deliver anything that's underperforming, though of CD Projekt Red is the only thing that performs well and only well really on Stadia. Um, you know, the, the cyberpunk thing where everybody's talking about it didn't work on all the consoles worked great on Stadia. Um, so I think this is a, an interesting shift. I think hopefully it's a, uh, it's a shift that helps Stadia as a platform stay viable as like a viable cheap alternative to spending hundreds of dollars on a, on a single, uh, console, you know, for those people that are saying, look, I I can invest 60 bucks in the startup package versus $500 for the newest console. And I can play AAA games on my fiber. Um, the other thing I think it's going to be really interesting. And I've said this since day one is I wonder what Google's long play is. Um, Google Voice was my example that, you know, Google Voice I thought was a neat phone alternative and it was neat that it offered free voicemail transcription. Well, it turns out their whole idea with creating Google Voice was not to create a free phone, but was to do machine learning to learn how to do voice to text. So now they've got the best voice to text when you ask, you know, okay, Google, turn on the lights. Oh, I was, I was hoping Russ's lights would turn on. Um, but when you say, okay, Google, turn on the lights, um, that's a technology that came out of what they learned from Google voice. So I'm still curious if there's not something that Google is learning that they're going to turn around and they're going to improve some other product or improve some other service because they've been able to learn what they learned through Stadia. I'm wondering, and going back to your cyberpunk point, I'm wondering if maybe, because again, we don't know. Like, Cyberpunk did play the best on Stadia. That's absolutely gone around. Everybody knows that. That Stadia was one of the best platforms to play Cyberpunk on. Wonder is, especially with the timing, maybe Cyberpunk did not do as well as we think it did sales-wise on Stadia. And so they realized, here is one of the biggest games ever that got a ton of press because it played so well on Stadia. And yet the numbers were not as good as they could have been. So maybe it's not worth it for us to develop exclusive games for stadia and maybe we need to pivot our business model and rather than focus on creating games for this platform let's focus on the platform itself and let's try and just push this really good platform and try and partner and put all our money to partnering with other developers who will then develop the games for our platform um that's the only thing i can think of um the the article from the verge that talks about this also mentions that perhaps cyberpunk did not do as well as people think and that could have done it um it's it's just interesting to see where they're going to go from here i also don't think anybody needs to worry i don't think this is going to be a case of google completely just all of a sudden shutting down uh uh a program overnight and everybody being out in the wind. Um, That was my concern when Stadia was first announced, when it didn't do so well. Since then, though, and just seeing the way people like it and the way that it works, I think that worst case scenario, Stadia sells off the, the company to a gaming developer, whether that's like Sony, to do something with them or another developer like EA or, or somebody. Um, because I think there are a lot of things that Stadia could be used for that they're not being used for right now, i.e. an instant delivery for demos uh, would be an awesome way to do that, to be able to like have a YouTube ad 
which they've talked about this being a function that we haven't seen yet, like a YouTube ad of a game and I can just click and I immediately get to play a demo of that game in order to buy it later on. Yeah. Um, those are all things that they could eventually use it for. I, I don't think people need to worry about it. I just don't think that Stadia is going to be what a lot of people thought it was going to be. And they definitely are just pivoting the model right now. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be the console killer that people were worried it was going to be. Um, I think it's going to be a solid alternative and definitely a different way that people play. Um, you know, kind of like in some ways, I would say how Nintendo Switch is not really a direct competitor to uh, Xbox or PlayStation because they're focusing on a very different type of way to play. Um, you know, their their focus is the portability of the Switch and the, the weird neatness of the Joy-Cons and you know, the, the uniqueness of those worlds, they're not looking at, you know, how do we deliver the top tier graphics? And, you know, most people are not downloading uh, doom to play, you know, doom eternal on their, their Nintendo switch. Um, so I think there's a lot stadia can do. I still think that we have not seen, uh, and, and maybe we never will see the potential of what stadia could have done to, you know, games with lots and lots and lots of characters. Um, you know, I think, Imagine what Stadia and their scalable um, server model could do for games, massive multiplayer online world games. What if you had like a a division game where literally every division agent was in the same city at the same time? It just blows you away. Uh, Or things that were only available on Stadia, like in Ghost Recon Wildlands, not Wildlands, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, the fact that you could see a live stream of your... um, your co-op team, you can see a live stream of their video feed while you were playing right now. The only way to do that is if you happen to be streaming on Twitch and I load up Twitch on a separate screen and like, how cool would that be? You know, or couch co-op games. I don't know. I think there's a lot of neat opportunities that if nothing else, Google could completely pivot and turn and say, Hey, Ubisoft, we just really want to sell you our servers and still make a couple bucks. Um, so I think that's that's my only thought on Stadia. Is I'm still curious to see where it goes. I'm curious to see what they do, and I'm just still waiting to see when we actually get the things delivered that were promised at Game Developers Conference in 2019. So, well, speaking in other of platform news, yes. Well, speaking of exclusives, uh, pivot right here again. Uh, MLB The Show, the only simulation baseball game on the market, which is a Sony exclusive is officially coming to xbox with uh mlb the show 21 they announced the cover and on the cover they also released what looks like the weirdest thing i've ever seen in my life which is an xbox version of mlb the show 21 with sony studios right on the cover uh go look it up if you have a chance it's just really weird i don't think i didn't think we'd ever see something like this um, I want to I want to say a couple things on this because I've seen some people make comments about it. Um, they don't understand what's going on because they're like, oh, my gosh, Sony's now making Xbox games. One, it wasn't Sony's choice. Uh, this was a an agreement with Major League Baseball that in order to continue licensing baseball, they had to bring the game to multiple consoles, which is also including the Switch. There's supposed to be a MLB The Show on the Switch at some point in the next two or three years, I think, is what the requirement was. Uh, so don't think that Sony's like happily doing this and they're like doing it and they're going to, and cause I saw people in comments sections of different um, posts for it say, well, we're going to get God of war or Hey, let's get Spider-Man next. It's like, <laughs> no, that's not, that's not how, that's this, not how this works. No, how any of this doing works. It, 
in order to have a sports game, you have to have the license. In order to have yeah. the license, MLB is saying you have to put it on Xbox. So we're going to get both. Uh, so that's coming out soon. So if you're into baseball and looking forward to it, it is one of the best sports series, period, out there. If you at all have any interest in baseball, I highly recommend picking it up, whether that's for Xbox or the PlayStation. So we'll and I just see have to take a minute on- just to say how excited I am because uh, as a San Diego fan, I just saw that, that uh, Fernando <laughs> Tatis is on the cover. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. the Padres, they are like the longest baseball team without – they're one of, if not the only, uh, longest standing baseball team without a World Series victory. Um, Fernando Tatis, one of the best players in Major League Baseball right now and on one of the you know teams that has struggled the most historically – uh, I don't know. I, as a San Diego kid growing up, uh, born and raised in San Diego in Southern California, I'm excited to see a Padres player on the front cover of a baseball game. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great thing for baseball. Uh, and I think a great thing for cross play. The fact that people can actually play together. You know, one of the things that people complained about the most on Stadia was as much as they promised cross play, they didn't deliver. And then people didn't have anybody to play with. So. I don't know. Great thing for baseball. Yeah. Great thing for San Diego. Happy for Tatis. You're you're forgetting that I'm a Rockies fan here. We we have also not won a World Series, and we also just had the toughest week uh, in the history of our team. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. And <laughs> I will just say I really hope that they sell the Rockies. The owners should sell the Rockies. I will say that on our podcast. We're not a sports podcast, but I'd set it there. We're good. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, as, as a San Diego fan, I watched the Chargers get sold and move to Los Angeles. So we could we could talk about that all day. But that's a whole different <laughs> podcast. That's Russ and Dave talk sports, which you'll find uh, no place. Anyway. Yeah. Moving uh, on. Next next little bit of news. This one's exciting. I know tons of people are excited. Everyone is really excited to get back into this. Uh, the Mass Effect uh, collection, the legendary edition, which includes Mass Effect one, two and three remastered not remade for xbox one and playstation 4 there are not next gen versions of this has a release date it will be coming out in may so we don't have much longer to wait yeah that's pretty quick this has been in the works for a very long time there has been rumors about this collection probably for five six years um so it's just been interesting that it took this long but we're finally getting it um and and so far the previews are good they have updated some of the uh gameplay features of the game to make it a little bit more even throughout um me as a mass effect person i i I did love playing through the mass effect games back on the 360 uh the first one to the second one had very large leaps in how they were played Um, and a lot of people talk about that the first one was very much an rpg very much a bioware game and then the second one kind of switched up to more of a shooter and it was a great game. Love the gameplay there. It sounds like they're going to go more towards the shooter on the first one um, with some gameplay changes to it. So I'm excited for people to get to experience it for the first time. If they haven't, Dave, I'm assuming you'd never played the first three Mass Effect. Games. I never, I never played the, the Mass Effect games. I think they were right in that gap where, you know, it was after I was gaming as a kid, but before I got back into gaming as an adult. And by the time that I talked to people about, you know, what are the great games that I should play? It was like, Oh, you got to play Mass Effect. And it was, it was already 10 years old, you know? And so it was one of those like, Oh, do I really want to go back and pick up you know, I, I'm a graphics guy. I've always loved amazing visual graphics. Um, and so the idea of picking up a 10 year old game 
was not exciting to me. Uh, so I kept just telling myself, I'm going to wait until someday when they revamp the graphics and maybe that day is coming in May. So I'm excited. Yeah. So I, I, I'm excited for you to try it out. You definitely need to, everyone does. And you know what? We'll probably, I, I will say this right now. This is definitely a streaming type game. So we will probably be playing this on our Twitch stream at some point, whether it's me, whether it's Dave, uh, we will probably be playing a lot of mass effect because that's just a great game to sit and participate great story um one of the original games with a ton of branching uh conversation trees that actually affect the game so i I, i'm excited for it excited to get to play it again and maybe you know get the platinum trophies that i never got in the uh, original mass effect games but uh final thing of the uh news section let's talk about our monthly free games for february um games with gold for xbox you guys are getting resident evil uh hold on i lost my uh thing Okay. Gears of War Get 5. Resident Evil. Gears of War 5. That's right. Uh, and then you're also getting uh, Dandara Trials of Fear, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, and Lost Planet 2. So a couple oldies, but also goodies. The Indiana Jones one's actually pretty cool. Um, not the most amazing game, again, because that's just how it works. But uh, still pretty good and a good month overall, especially with Gears 5 in there. Uh, and then PlayStation. We've got a wallop of a month uh we got destruction all stars the new playstation 5 game that was supposed to come out at launch is coming is out officially today uh downloadable now for free as part of playstation plus concrete genie which we played on stream for our extra life stream so if you guys remember that and enjoyed that i highly recommend you pick it up and then finally control ultimate edition so the ps5 upgraded version of control is free for playstation 5 owners so make sure you guys add those to your library and get to playing i'm excited to to get to try out destruction all-stars and i'm excited control was on my list of games of 2021 to finish and platinum so that will be uh up there pretty soon once i get through uh, red dead redemption 2 uh david what are your thoughts on those games and are you gonna are you gonna play through them yeah, I'm excited about it. I think especially on Xbox, uh, you know, I'm excited about Gears 5. Um, still haven't picked that up, so that'll be that'll be great to pick that up. Uh, and then back on PlayStation, you know, you, you talked about how good of a game Concrete Genie was. We saw you play it a little bit during the Extra Life stream, so I'm excited to pick that up, especially as a parent. Um, good game that I can play through with my kids, with my family. Uh, also a good conversation starter. I'm always looking for games that have a good moral message uh, and, you know, good good overall meaning to them. Um, so I'm excited to pick that up. And I think Destruction All-Stars just looks like a ton of weird fun, like a weird cross between Rocket League and Fortnite and Twisted Metal. And I don't know. Um, so hopefully it's a, it's a fun, good game. And, you know, as a launch title, I think it's going to be good to see what the PlayStation 5 can do there. And then I'm just excited because I picked up Control for PC back when it uh, came out. And, you know, it was cool to kind of give my PC a workout, but never really got through the the gameplay. Thought, well, maybe I'll play it on PlayStation whenever it comes out there. And I'm excited to see, you know, to kind of uh, benchmark my PlayStation 5 uh, to see how does it compare against the PC doing the ray tracing and the graphics. Um, so if nothing else, that'll be neat just to, to see again as a graphics guy. Uh, you know, I'm all about that, the ray tracing and the graphics and, and the pretty pictures looking pretty. So, um, yeah, so I think that's, that's my take on those monthly games. So I think we're going to end our news segment now and we're going to switch gears over into our uh, second half. So we'll be right back after the break. We'll see you guys then. 
All right, so we're back, uh, and we're talking a little bit today about uh, gaming burnout and what to do about it. That's when you experience, it's not just the game burnout, that's when you experience a little bit of burnout, maybe feeling like, I just don't know what to play, or maybe you don't feel like playing anything, Uh, or, you know, what do you do when maybe you play games as a nice distraction from the stressors of life, and what do you do when gaming doesn't really fix it? Um, But to start us off in this segment, I want to talk to Russ specifically uh, Russ, tell us what you've been up to this last week. Well, I was diagnosed with COVID. Uh, I got COVID uh, tested on Thursday of last week. So I'm on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm on day seven uh, of having COVID, and it sucks. Uh, we wanted to to have me comment on this just because, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that hear a bunch of different things that, oh, it's no big deal. It's just a cold. It's just, you know, for some people it is. For some people it is just a quick cold. Some people don't get sick at all. Um, I've been somewhat lucky in that I haven't had it as bad as some people have, but I still have a lot of the symptoms. Um, You know, I've got a head cold. I've got body aches, body chills, uh, you know, night sweats, um, extreme body pain, extreme body fatigue, Uh, It's just kicked my butt and I have just been out of it for, you know, the good seven days that I've had it Um, just here sitting in my basement, literally away from my family, uh, no contact with anybody, you know, physically it's, it is not a fun thing. And you would think like, oh, seven days. Great. You've probably been playing nothing but video games. No, I have not. Um, Because honestly, I'm too tired and not motivated, not wanting to think. Uh, to actually want to pick up my games like I've played maybe a few hours here and there when I've felt like I needed to but I think this idea of gaming burnout um, really comes across with this of just like I'm just too tired to want to put in the effort to play you know what I've been mostly doing is just laying on my couch with a blanket um, falling in and out of sleep while you know my tv plays random tv shows and movies Um, and that's probably about it that's the most that I've been able to get out of it Um, and and most people in our group and David knows that, you know, my hard thing is getting through games. Um, when it comes to burnout, uh, I find myself hitting this a lot of just getting bored with games, games, just not hitting me in the right way at the right time. I think a big part of gaming burnout is just where you are in life. What's going on, what's happening around you. Uh, you know, a game just may not be the thing that you need at that moment. Um, and some people have talked about that, that, you know, you, you pick up a game at a different point, where you're in a different place and all of a sudden it clicks with you and it becomes like your favorite game. Uh, For me right now, that's Red Dead Redemption. You know, when it first came out, I played through it. Great, cool. Something just didn't click with me. Um, And now I'm kind of forcing myself through because I want to hit the the story beats and, and, and find out what happens in the story because I, you know, I always hear that it's such a great story to the game but I just haven't been able to get it to click. And even now playing through it, it's still having, there's moments where I'm like, I want to quit. I don't want to keep playing. I don't want to do this, but I'm like, I need to, I have to. And I kind of force myself through it. I don't do that very often. Um, and so gaming burnout is a big thing that I think we all get as gamers at times. Um, and just understand that that doesn't mean that like you're done with being a gamer. I know some people would just be like, games are just not clicking right now. Uh, it's good to give yourself a break. It's good to step back. It's good to, you know, not play games for a while and see what happens. So I think, you know, gaming burnout is a big deal that we deal with all the time. Um, David, I know you you deal with gaming burnout a lot. Uh, so tell me about your experience more recently with gaming burnout. 
Sure. Um, well, I know, you know, we talked a little, a little bit about this just kind of on an emotional level. Um, after I finished the last of us part two, I was like, okay, like that game just hit me in all the feels and I don't have any feels left for anything. Like I, I like no games will, especially for a person who plays games because of the way that they make you feel because of the story that you're being told. It was like, I, I can't go play any game because no game will stand up to the amount of feelings that I just had. Um, and so for like a good solid two weeks after that, I, I just kind of put everything down and I stopped playing. Um, but that's also because of the, t- the type of gamer that I am. Um, that being said, I recently kind of shifted gears away from story. I got into, you know, some sports gaming. I started playing some more rocket league. Um, I started getting good at rocket league, which is fun to win at rocket league. Um, and then I, for a while, I was just trying to drive after those next goals, trying to level up, trying to get the next, you know, thing, trying to get the next car skin, the next wheels, you know, trying to level up. And at some point I realized like, this is not fun anymore. Like I'm, I'm just trying to get an achievement to tick off a box. Right. And this is for those of you that, that understand the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram three with a wing two. And this is like classic wing uh, three, uh, Enneagram three personality is like trying to get that achievement. And then when you get it realizing, Oh, that, that achievement didn't actually bring you any joy or happiness. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, that was a major point where I just had to listen to myself. I had to listen to my heart, listen to my head, listen to my body and say, I need to step back. Um, and I think the biggest piece, the biggest takeaway I had from that experience, um, and biggest advice that I would have for people is listen to your body, man. Like listen to yourself. Um, if you, my phone is ringing in the back here. Hold on. Okay. It's not a podcast unless there's interruptions. That's right. So listen to your body. Um, if you feel like, you know, for one, if we've talked about this before gaming addiction, if gaming is getting in the way of your ability to have relationships or your ability to be productive and do work, then you probably need to consider that that may be an addiction and it may be hindering your ability to be a productive human being in the world. Um, now that's different for everybody. Some people work a part-time job and make enough money to get by and then they game 40 hours a week, but that's fits with their goals for life. Um, right. You know, they, they're not aiming to buy a boat. They're not trying to buy, you know, a house. They're just trying to, to live a very modest lifestyle for some people. It's a way of staying minimalist is saying, I'm going to live this modest lifestyle. I'm going to work just enough to get by. And I'm, this is my, my path in life. You know, for some people it's, I game two hours a week and you know, everything else is productive. And if it gets in the way of that, then you got to keep yourself in check. Um, but also then listen to your body. You know, if you're getting headaches from staring at the screen too much, if you're too tired, cause you're not sleeping enough, if you're, um, you know, or if you're just emotionally feeling like I just can't play right now, I, I can't do this right now because I'm frustrated. Take a break, right? Go outside, go for a walk. Um, you know, take some time to, to, this is a faith-based podcast, right? Like listen to, to some scripture, uh, listen to another faith-based podcast, read scripture. Um, I even recently found out that you can watch all the gospels on Netflix. Um, like go watch the gospels on Netflix, you know, encounter Jesus in a, in a Netflix movie. Um, take some time and take some time away. Uh, and then as with so many things, you'll find that maybe that time away 
will give you a greater appreciation for the time that you do spend doing it. So, um, so I think that, and then I, to transition into our next little mini topic here about what to do, what to do when gaming doesn't fix it, right? Gaming serves a different purpose for all of us. Some of us game. If you're like me, you game to encounter stories. Um, I really like encountering deep and personal stories. Um, I loved the quote that I shared this last week from uh, Sid Meier's uh, thing. I can't remember it. I'm going to paraphrase it. Essentially, it said, you know, if we can encounter deep and rich, beautiful worlds in nothing more than text, imagine how much more rich and more beautiful we could encounter in terms of story when it comes to using visuals and audio and, you know, long story short, it was like stories are cool. Stories can be really cool in a different medium. Um, so I encounter stories. Some people game to distract them from difficult things going on in life. And so they just game to grind and have something going on. Um, but whatever purpose gaming serves in your life, if you find a place when that's not serving that purpose, it might be time to go back and say, you know, why am I gaming? Right. If I'm gaming just to be a distraction, is it a healthy distraction or is it to a point where it's an unhealthy distraction and maybe you're not paying attention to some of the things, you know, some of the self care that you need to be paying attention to. Uh, you know, if gaming is to encounter stories, but perhaps you're not a fan of the stories you're encountering, maybe it's time to go encounter stories someplace else so that when you come back and you encounter those stories, they're deeper and richer and you can appreciate them more. Russ, what's your thought about what to do when gaming doesn't fix it? Well, for me, what it looks like is sometimes I just, I go through periods where I just, I don't want to play games. Um, I just, I don't have that itch to play anything. Nothing's like really sounding great. It's that whole, it's the idea that, you know, most people get when they open up Netflix and they open up all these things and you're, you're swiping through and you're looking at everything and you're just like, nothing, nothing sounds interesting right now. Nothing sounds like it's catching my eye. I have no itch to just play this game or this game or this game or this game. And yes, we're gamers and we have massive backlogs and it's like, how can you not find something to play? Just like streamers, there's tons of stuff and content available to us now to watch more than any time before. And how many times do we say there's nothing to watch? There's nothing to play. Um, you know, those times are fine. And I, at, at that point I will, I'll just, I'll take a break. I will just not play things for a while. And what I find is eventually I do get that itch back and I get that feeling back and that, that want and that drive to, to play games again and to kind of lose myself in that a little bit again, compared to everything else going on. And, you know, those are fine. There, there are things that we need to look at. There are ways that we need to go and find other things to do. And, and there's a lot of stuff to do. You know, I think what David said about, you know, maybe use that time when gaming's just not hitting that itch. And maybe it's just not hitting that motivation to, you know, find ways to, to put that into other things. Find other hobbies that you may be interested in. Um, connect with God a little bit more during these times. Those are all things that I think we can do. Uh, and and be able to to connect with more um, than just playing games and and doing that twenty four seven. You know, I think it's fine. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to not want to play games. We all go through periods where we may not be motivated to game, and that's just fine. Like, there's other ways to connect with gaming. There's other ways to connect with other things. Um, well, and I, I don't think... think we have to just go to to games. 
I think if you, you know, the other thing is to really encounter community, right? Um, and for some of us, you know, extroverts, it's super easy. And it's like, I would love to be in community all the time for introverts, maybe not so much. Um, but you know, use the community. And if you don't already have a good gaming community, you know, we have an amazing gaming community over here at Crossfire Faith and Gaming, um, to, to be a sounding board, right. To say, Hey, I'm struggling with this thing. Have you guys ever struggled with this and get that support from that community? Um, also, you know, we talked about backlog and kind of backlog anxiety and FOMO. Um, for me, it was a huge help to say, Hey, gaming community, I've got a, a backlog of 40 games, you know, and probably 40 is an understatement. Um, how do I make a decision about what to play? Right. But helping, you know, having the community help me make that decision took a, lo- a weight off my shoulders. And it was a nice moment to say, okay, I'm going to play this game because this is what we've all decided together would be the best use of my time. And, you know, just having friends to kind of connect with and, and go through life's difficult times with. Uh, and I think if nothing else, having a community that you can be open and vulnerable enough to say, I'm struggling. I need some help and know that that community will be there to help you because it's a positive influence. So uh, that's our, our tiny plug for our gaming community, but also uh, hopefully you guys have experienced some of this and maybe this is helpful for you. Um, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. We're going to try and engage with this a little bit deeper in the comments section on our Facebook page uh, or, you know, in the comments section on the YouTube video, if you're watching us on YouTube, let us know what have you experienced with gaming burnout or when games don't fix things. Uh, and also make sure to check back in with us uh, in the rest of February as we're going to start our Lenten devotional podcast. Uh, Russ and I have some really exciting stuff worked up for that. Uh, Russ, any closing thoughts before uh, I'll have you close us out today? No. Um, well, I mean, to move on that, uh, the community aspect, I definitely think that's been a huge piece for me as well. Um, being a part of this community and getting to talk with everybody on a weekly basis and talk about what you're playing and what you're watching. And it kind of gets you a little bit more motivated to finish some of that stuff and to be a part of the conversation. And so um, I definitely think that our community is a great thing that people should want to join in and get to experience and get to chat with other like-minded people that believe in God, that play games. Um, those are both two things that I think can bring up great conversations. So I highly recommend everybody 